Thank you so much, Pastor. I told Brother CJ yesterday that my wife and I are not high-class musicians, so I didn't know. I was trying to back out of it, but uh, he, he, he made us sing today. But uh, no, we, it really is a privilege to be here, and uh, boy, it's quite an honor. And I do remember that 10 years ago is what it was, October 21st, 2012, so a while back. And in fact, it was the second-to-last church. I looked it up uh, before I went into evangelism on our own. Uh, and so, uh, so that's been a blessing. Brother Young has been a blessing over the years. And in fact, I remember in your fellowship hall, I had gotten a brand new illusion and we rehearsed it in your fellowship hall and uh, performed it for the kids program that we were doing that week. Uh, but uh, your church has been a blessing, even though you may not realize that to us. Um, and I tell you, Brother, Brother Elwood, Pastor Elwood, was, has always had a great testimony in college. And so I'm thankful to see him still serving the Lord, still uh, loving God and uh, working hard for him. And uh, really a sharp guy and a role model for me. And so I appreciate uh, the opportunity to get to serve with him this week. And your pastor probably doesn't even realize this. Uh, the story you're telling, was that in Fort Walton Beach? So I, I was at that meeting in Fort Walton Beach. I was, uh, I think I was in grad school, and he came, and I don't, I don't even know if we spoke. I saw you there, uh, and uh, I remember watching uh, from afar, and uh, I, remember, I remember this. I remember there was a young teenager struggling with assurance of salvation, and I remember that uh, Dr. Jim said, hey, talk to him, and, and I was there. I, I probably shouldn't have been, but I was kind of eavesdropping there, and I watched you. I think you took John 3.36, and you helped him with assurance, and it really changed my life. I, I never told you that, but I've used the same uh, approach, just using Scripture to give assurance that I watched from your pastor, uh, boy, 2008, maybe, maybe 2008. Uh, and so I appreciate, always have admired your pastor, even from that long ago. He's always loved the Lord since I've ever seen him, and I'm just thrilled that he's been here and uh, serving the Lord so faithful here. And we praise the Lord for that. Genesis chapter 50, Genesis chapter 50, uh, that was my wife Joy on the piano, and Joy is very involved in the illusion show, and uh, she gets, um, uh, she gets uh, tortured with a smile, I guess, I don't know, she's the, the assistant that goes through a lot of stuff, uh, but my wife is such a blessing. Uh, we have four children as well. Carson is our eight-year-old son. He has cerebral palsy, so he's special needs, uh, so he doesn't walk or talk, but he's here, I think, in your nursery, and then we have a six-year-old daughter named Addison, and then we have a three-year-old son named Landon and an eight-month-old baby named Brooklyn, and so we're very blessed, and I tell you, I was talking to a few of you, and I feel like I'm just like halfway there talking to some of you, how many kids that y'all have here, but, uh, but I praise the Lord for, uh, for big families and, and uh, people raising their family to serve the Lord. This is chapter 50, a little unusual um, I don't know, I, maybe a little bit heavy topic today, but I really, as I sought the Lord, believe that this is what we'd have. And if you look into this chapter 50, remember the context here. This is uh, later in the life. In fact, Jacob has just passed off the scene. Uh, by this point, Joseph has already gone through all that he had gone through, and now he's the second most powerful man in the land of Egypt. And at this point, his dad just dies, and his brothers are thinking this whole time, apparently, they're thinking the only reason why Joseph has shown mercy to us is because dad is still alive. Uh, but once dad is gone, now we're finally going to get what we deserve. And so they're begging for their lives here before Joseph, this powerful leader. And so let's pick it up in Genesis 50 and verse number 15. Genesis 50 and verse number 15. The Bible says, When Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. 
And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall he say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face. And they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now, therefore, fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This morning, I'd like to appreciate a message I've titled, Dealing with Pain. Dealing with Pain. All of us will deal with pain. Uh, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 17, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. It's going to happen. There's going to be painful situations and offenses that come in our lives. And if we're, not, if we're not careful, we will deal with the pain in the wrong way. And it can cause great damage in our lives. And here, in, uh, uh, as I think about this, sometimes the pain that we experience is, is what I call surface pain. You know, it's, it's not, not that big a deal. But sometimes the pain we experience really runs very deep. I was on a missions trip to... Uh, to Haiti. I, no, the first one was the, the Philippines for this one. And I was actually with Brother Young, and we were flying back that night, and uh, it was uh, an evening flight, and we were about three hours from the airport, and it starts pouring down rain. And as it's pouring down rain, the, the roads don't have a great drainage sy- system there, and so they're starting to flood. And we could tell that the missionary was kind of nervous and, and getting us to the airport on time. And so we were trying to be quiet in the back seat. And Brother Young said, hey, do you, do you have any fingernail clippers? I'm like, yeah, I got some right here in my bag. And so I remember I, I reached inside my bag, and it felt like something bit me. I was like, what was that? And I reached in a, again, and it was even more painful the second time. And I finally found the clippers, gave it to him. And when I turned the light on, what had happened was inside my bag was my shaving razor uh, pointed straight up in my bag. And when I reached in there, what, what bit me was the nerve being sliced by my shaving razor. And when I realized what happened, you know, I'm trying to be quiet because the missionary was already a little bit tense. So I'm like, and then brother, I'm like, do you have any, I asked brother Dave, do you have anything to kind of clean it off? And, and he's like, this is all I have. It was an alcohol swab. I was like, well, I don't want to bleed all over his car. And so he gives it to me and I'm like, <laughs> I mean, some quite intense pain there in that moment. And so I think I thought about that. I think sometimes, you know, people say things, you know, it's, you don't enjoy it, but it's not, not that painful. It's not that big of a deal. But sometimes there's, there's situations that run very deep. I mean, hit that nerve and cut quite deep. And I tell you what, think about Joseph, what he's gone through. This is no surface issue. This is a man whose brothers despised him so much they were going to murder him. They said, no, let's not kill him. Let's, let's make money off of him instead. And so they sell him as a slave, and even as a slave, he still serves the Lord through all that pain that he went through. I mean, in that culture, family was everything. I mean, absolutely everything. When your family rejects you, literally, you are all alone. And there Joseph was, away from his family, in a foreign country, with a new language, yet still served the Lord. And boy, as Joseph served the Lord, even then, uh, he was promoted, God honored him, and then he was falsely accused again, right? And, and maybe at some point, someone said, boy, uh, if, if God's going to allow all this, then, then what's the point? But that was not the heart that Joseph had. He, 
even in the prison for two full years, he still served and loved the Lord. And boy, God exalted him and promoted him after all that he had gone through. And, 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 but you see, the, the, the pain was still there. And as his brothers come to him, uh, what I want to point out here is God never minimizes the pain that Joseph went through. Sometimes we go through something and people are like, oh, don't, just get over it. I mean, what, what's your problem? Why is that bothering you still after all this time? Well, we don't really find that attitude. And in fact, even the brothers, when they came to him in verse 15, they said, uh, and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did. They called it evil. And uh, in fact, even Joseph, when he uh, speaks of it there in, in verse number 20, but as for you thought evil against me. He never minimized the situation that happened to him, but he still, he dealt with it in the way that God would have him. Number one, I want to point this out. People will hurt you. Is that encouraging to hear today? Uh, but it's part of life. People will hurt you. And so sometimes we act so shocked. Well, I can't believe she said that. Well, I can't believe that pastor didn't like my idea. Well, I can't believe. And, and we act so surprised. And, and I tell you, that, that is part of life is that people will hurt you. And sometimes the hurt is very deep. Sometimes the hurt is repeated. But maybe you find yourself in a situation that is not only a hurt, but it's a hurt you can't really get away from. It's a, it's a common occurrence that happens quite often. Maybe if we were to say someone's name, all these memories come back of some hurt that's happened in your life. A certain friend or maybe a parent, a, an ex, maybe a son or a daughter, a sister, an aunt or an uncle. Talked to a lady recently. She said, well, I tell you what, the pain that I always go was, was my boss. She said, here I am at work in a difficult situation, and I'm trying to, she was, worked in education. She said, I was trying to stand up for my students, and my boss didn't have my back. Here I am going out on a limb with a person that's supposed to have my back and support me and be loyal to me. They turn on me too. She found herself and was embittered towards her boss. Sometimes the, the, the hurt can happen on behalf of someone close to you. Uh, someone recently told me, they said, you know, it's not so much the, the personal attack that hurts, it's the, the one that I love when, when, when they're going through such difficulty and I, and I find myself so helpless to, to fix it, so helpless to do anything. If you're not careful, that type of scenario can cause some bitterness in your own heart towards someone else. Maybe the hurt has come from a ministry. Maybe something's happened to you at a church that you've been a part of, or maybe even a preacher or some Christians that were supposed to act a certain way and they completely betrayed you and they completely let you down and, and maybe came out that there was some great hypocrisy that was there. I'm telling you what happens sometimes in those scenarios is that type of hurt, that type of, type of baggage, if not dealt with properly, can continue to follow you in whatever ministry you find yourself in. Someone goes to another church and, and they get hurt at that church and they leave that church and they come to this church and they bring all that baggage from here and they're all critical and cynical about the leadership and about the decisions here. What's happening? You've not dealt with that pain in the way that God wants you to deal with that pain. So realize people will hurt you. Number two, realize this. There are major problems when you don't forgive. We find Joseph here, his reaction. I mean, when the brothers come to him, and, and in fact, they, they were kind of smart about it, right? They, they went to the servants and said, okay, servants, you go tell Joseph that dad said he needs to forgive. 
You know, you go little kids. Mom said you better stop, right? Dad said. So that's what their, their tactic was. Go tell them that dad said to forgive, and, and maybe we won't die, all right? And so the, the servants go in there, and your father commanded to forgive. And about then the brothers come in there, and they fall on their face. I mean, they're literally bowing. Why? They're terrified. How do you know that? Two times Joseph says, fear not. Hey, guys, calm down. It's okay. Why do they say that? Because they're afraid. They think they're going to die. And as they're there, jo- Joseph, please don't kill us. We'll be your servants. Just, just let us live. And what was Joseph's reaction? You saw it there in verse number 17. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. He weeps. Why does he weep? He's, guys, I didn't realize you were struggling with this this whole time. Guys, I forgave you a long time ago. That was the heart that Joseph had that we see here. And I want to point this out. As I said, this is my second point. There are major problems when we don't forgive. I've written down several of them here. Number one, when you don't forgive, you are playing God. You are playing God. If God commands you to do something and and you think you have a right to disobey that command that God gives you to do, then in essence, you're playing God. You see that what he says there in verse number uh, 19, he says, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? I think there's obviously the idea of this is the place that, that God wants me to be. But I, I mean, I, I haven't ever thought there that, hey, I, I, I'm not in the place of God. I'm not in the stead of God. I'm not going to pretend like I can play God in this situation. You see, when a person holds on to, forgive, to, to bitterness and refuses to forgive, from some hurt that's happened, you are in essence attempting to play God. In Job 38, would you look at Job 38? Well, you talk about a man who went through some pain. As, as Job went through this pain, and boy, that pain of losing his business in one day, losing all of his children on that same that exact day, and his wife was struggling, understandably so, and, and boy, even his, his friends, so-called friends, weren't even there. And, and boy, he has all this, this talk through chapter after chapter. And then in Job chapter 38, Finally, God erupts into the conversation there. And verse number one, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. I mean, boy, God just erupts into the scene. And finally, he is going to speak. He's finally going to answer some of the problems that Job is, is voicing throughout the book. And verse two, here, here's God speaking. Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are given all this counsel? He says, who's talking, but you're not saying anything? Who's saying all these words, but there's no wisdom coming out of your mouth? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. He says, wait a minute, here you are expecting me to answer you, Job? No, you answer me. I am God, you are not. Where were you when I created the earth? He goes, when I laid the stars in the sky, when I created Leviathan, where were you, Job? I don't answer to you, Job. See, sometimes when a person says, you know what, I'm not forgiving this person. I am not letting this situation go. One of the problems with that is you are attempting to play God. Number two when you don't forgive, God must punish you. I'm not going to go into the story in Matthew chapter 18, but we find here that unforgiveness itself is a sin. 
Oh, yeah, but their sin that they did to me is way worse than me not forgiving. Oh, so now we're comparing sins here? No, the, the, the fact is this. Unforgiveness is a sin, and if you refuse to get rid of that sin, then you're not right with the Lord, and you're under some judgment from God. In Matthew chapter 18, I'll summarize it. You remember the story. He's a very rich man, and he had two servants, and the one servant owed him an unbelievable debt. I mean, he could work his whole life and never pay it off. And, and so the master says, pay me. He says, I can't. Just give me some time. And remember the master? I forgive you. It's gone. I wipe the whole debt away. And then he goes and finds an equal that owes him maybe a day's wage, and he says, hey, pay me what you owe me. He's like, give me some time. He says, no. No time, and he takes this guy, and he has him cast into the debtor's prison, which legally, he had uh, the ability to do that legally. The problem was, it was a completely unforgiving heart. And you remember what happens at the end of Matthew 18, the initial master hears about the treatment that this man has, and, and he calls him back. And let me read some verses here at the end of Matthew 18, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord, that's this rich guy, all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant. What do you mean wicked? This guy owed me money. I, this, is, this is just business. No, it was wicked because his heart was wrong. It was wicked because he was refusing to have a forgiving heart. O thou wicked servant. I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. I think verse 35 was a very sobering verse. He says, so likewise. In other words, just like that scenario, exactly like that, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. What happens? Same thing happened to that guy will happen to us. What happened to that guy? Look at verse 34. His Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors. Again, that was a cultural situation of the day, but I think that word is a perfect description describes someone who refuses to forgive. Tormented. Here you are going through your day, and that person that hurts you walks into the room or walks into your life, and boy, there's all those memories, and boy, all the, the heart rate begins to climb, and, and boy, the, the angst is there, and they're having a good old day, and that makes it even worse. Oh, man, what, what's going on? There's torment there. Because there's some unforgiveness in your heart. Jesus says when you refuse to forgive someone else, there is punishment there. There is torment there. And I, I want to point this key phrase out in verse 35. He says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts. From your hearts. See, we can forgive from the lips. I forgive you. Never want to see you again. But that's not what Matthew 18 is teaching. If you from your hearts forgive not everyone, his brother, their trespass. But I'm saying here, there are major problems you don't forgive. One problem is you're attempting to play God. Another problem is we don't forgive. God must punish you. Number three, when you don't forgive, God won't answer your prayers. Do you realize that unforgiveness hinders your own prayer life? He won't answer your prayers like he would otherwise. 
The Bible says in Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, if I, if I uh, watch this iniquity in my life, the Lord will not hear me. Well, I'll tell you what, that, that reason alone is the reason why I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to have unforgiveness in my heart because I do not want, I need God to answer my prayers. I need God to be there when I pray about things with my family and, and the ministry that God's given us. And when we don't forgive, that hinders our own prayer life. In Mark chapter 11 and verse 25 and 26, the Bible says, And when ye stand praying, forgive. He relates prayer with forgiveness. Jesus even does that in the model prayer in Matthew chapter 6. But here, and when he stand praying, forgive if ye have aught against any. I saw even back when I was in grad school, I also saw even recently online. Well, you don't have to forgive if they don't ask you. If they don't ask you, you don't have to forgive. That's just not biblical. It's very humanistic thinking. I'm waiting for them to come apologize and then I'll forgive. No, why? Because you still have bitterness. So you're allowed to have bitterness until they say they're sorry. You will not find that in the word of God. You won't find it there. That's very humanistic thinking. Jesus says right there, if you have aught against any, doesn't matter who it is, if there's aught. Aught is a tiff, a thing. If there's something between you and anyone else, the command is to forgive. And he says that your father, also which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. You see, our prayer life is hindered when we refuse to forgive. Matthew 6, verse 12, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, for that is the, but deliver us from evil, for that is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then there's an addendum. The addendum to the model prayer is on this same topic of forgiveness. He says, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, unforgiveness hurts our relationship with the Lord. It hurts our own prayer life. Would you look at Hebrews chapter 12? Hebrews chapter 12 here. Sometimes you'll think, well, you know, Brother Dave, I'm just getting off my back. This is just between me and them. All right? It's not hurting anybody else. Doesn't affect anybody else. It's just between me and them. Let me show you how untrue that is in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 15. The Bible warns us to, to beware of some danger here. Hebrews 12 verse 15, looking diligently. In other words, hey, hey, pay attention. Watch out. This is something you have to guard against. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. You see, when you refuse to forgive, there's bitterness that comes in your heart. And the Bible says that that root of bitterness springs up and it troubles you. Another great word to describe someone who refuses to forgive. You're troubled. You're troubled. He says that root of bitterness springs up. It troubles you, but the verse does not end there. It says, and thereby many be defiled. It's just between me and them. No, that bitterness will seep out and affect all the relationships that you have. Maybe a parent treated you a certain way and there's some bitterness there and you find yourself treating your kids the same way. You think, what am I doing? I, I, I didn't like when that happened to me and here I am doing the same thing. What's going on? Could it be that there's some bitterness there? But may, I tell you, when we don't forgive, we cannot compartmentalize 
the bitterness. We can't contain it. It will infect. Many more people will be hurt. You've heard this saying. It's really true. Hurt people hurt people. So that's why it's important to give that to the Lord. Number five, when you don't forgive, you open the door for direct satanic attack and victory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, let me show you some verses here. Paul was very transparent about some forgiveness that he had to go through. He had to make sure that he was right with the Lord about. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, he's talking about, hey, if you guys thought you had to forgive, I really had to forgive. Verse number 10 of 2 Corinthians 2, he says, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. I love the, the wording of that verse. But one of the key things there, he says, the way I was able to do it was not in me. I was able to do it in the person of Christ. For your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. When Paul forgave, I just want to, as a side note, he didn't, uh, he didn't say, well, I was able to forgive because I'm Paul. <laughs> I'm the Apostle Paul. That's how I was able to do it. No, he, he said, I, I was able to forgive, not in my own ability or authority or strength. I was able to do it in the person of Christ. It was through the person of Christ. But then he tells us in the next verse, if I wouldn't have done that, if I would have not forgiven, this is what would have happened. He says in verse 11, lest. If I would have done that, here's what would happen. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Well, I think one of the top three devices that Satan uses, the wiles of the devil, one of the top three is bitterness. Man, if he can get you bitter, man, he can have some great victory. Man, he can really, he can mess up your marriage. He can mess up your parenting. He can get you to pull out back from things you used to be serving the Lord at a church. If he can get you bitter, but that's a device he loves. That's why we have to guard against it. That's why we have to watch very carefully and say, Lord, I don't want any bitterness in my heart. I don't want anything in my heart that gives Satan that advantage. That word advantage in verse 11 means to put something or someone superior. Do you realize when you refuse to forgive someone, you are giving Satan ground, you are giving him authority, you are putting him superior over an area of your heart? Is that what you want? What are you trying to say? I'm trying to say this. It's in your best interest to forgive. You think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not letting this go because I'm holding them. You're not holding them. You're not, you're, the, the person you're hurting the most is yourself. It's in your best interest to say, Lord, I don't like the situation that happened to me, but Lord, I, I'm going to forgive. I choose to release them. I choose to let them go. I'm deciding to forgive. So finally, number three, I want to give you this. I want to give you a plan to help forgive. I, I'm, a, I'm an OCD type of guy. I like plan. I like organization. And and uh, maybe someone said, brother, I, I tried to forgive. I mean, I, I've tried to do it, but I just keep finding myself going back to it and, and keep coming back to it. And uh, my, uh, one of my family members relates forgiveness to like, a, like layers of an onion. Sometimes you, you, you forgive and you really do, but then there's another layer you need to forgive and another layer. And so sometimes you, you think you forgive and it's over, but you find yourself coming back to it. I just want to, every time it comes back in your heart, every time it comes back in your mind, Decide to forgive. 
choose to forgive. And how do you do that? Number one, decide to forgive. It begins with a decision. You know, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he didn't ignore your sins on the cross. He didn't pretend like it didn't happen. No, there was a, there was a transaction that happened. In our lives, there's a decision that needs to happen. Sometimes a husband and wife will have an argument. I know not in your home, but just generally speaking here, but have an argument and, you know, things are said and maybe tempers flare and he goes into this room and she goes in the bedroom and, and doors are slammed and maybe four hours later they walk out as if nothing ever happened. That is not the biblical way to deal with an issue. You don't pretend like it didn't happen. Why? Because you never dealt with it. You never actually forgave. You never actually got it right. Uh, why? Because the, the next argument, then the old one comes back, and the third argument, all three of them, and, and it gets worse and worse and worse because we just try to ignore it and pretend like it didn't happen. That's not how forgiveness works. Decide to forgive. I believe that's what Joseph had done years before. That's why he got guys, I, I already forgave. I, I would have never brought you to Egypt if I would have not already have forgiven you. Number two, dedicate the situation to God. You heard the words that Joseph had there in verse 19. And Joseph said to them, fear not, for am I in the place of God? Hey, you know, I, I, I know what you did to me was evil, guys, but don't, don't be afraid. Don't fear. This is what God, this is where God wants me to be. Joseph had somewhere along the line dedicated his art, dedicated his difficult situation to God. See, sometimes the, the bitterness, let me read verse 20 as well. He says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. For the day of I have no idea how this painful situation could ever be used for good. I don't either. But God's smarter than I am. And God is so good and so mighty and so powerful that he can take that maybe the worst situation you've ever been through and use it for good. That's what Romans 8, 28 talks about. If you love God, he can take all the situations you've gone through and use it for good. But what we are, our responsibility is to dedicate it to him. See, sometimes the bitterness we have is not against another person. The bitterness we have is against God. God, why would you allow this? tragedy. I mentioned I have a special needs son. Lord, why would you allow this in my life? God, why would you allow my marriage to split up? Why would you allow my child to pass into eternity? Why would you allow this sickness? Why would you allow my job? I keep struggling financially. Why would you allow this? I don't know all the answers to why, but I do know this. The wrong response is to get mad at God, to get upset at the Lord, dedicate to him, God, I'm going to let you be God. God, I'm not going to demand that you answer me. Who, who am I to demand that of you? There are some answers we may never get. And that's acknowledging, God, I'm okay with that. Because you're God, I am not. I'm going to dedicate this situation to you. Is there someone this morning that you need to give something to the Lord? You quit holding on to it, quit obsessing over it, Quit reliving it over and over and quit. Uh, I, you know what I'm talking about, that, the, those situations that you've gone through. Someone this morning is to come and say, Lord, I'm going to dedicate this to you. Number three, do good to them. 
See, Joseph didn't look at his brothers and say, guys, I forgive you, but I never want to see you again. Stay out of the palace. Stay in your field over there. I'm not against you, but stay away. That was not the attitude Joseph had. Not only did he forgive, but he did good to them. He says that, you see that verse number 21. He says, now therefore fear ye not, I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. My pastor, I'm a member of a church in Houston, Texas. We're based out of there. My pastor, uh, Johnny Pope, he, he preaches a message called Living in the Suburbs of Forgiveness. It's about the story of Absalom, how, how David and Absalom and all, all the pain that Absalom caused. And, and, and David brings Absalom home, but he leaves him in the suburbs. He doesn't bring him all the way back to the city. He, he leaves him in the suburbs. Like, I, I forgive you, but stay in the suburbs. I mean, stay back. And eventually what happens is, boy, Absalom leads a civil war. Civil, rips the country apart. Boy, I wonder if David would have fully forgiven, if he would have fully restored and brought him back home. I'll tell you, I want to err on the side of restoration, not on the side of, okay, prove it, prove it. I tell you, when, when we, one of the things about God, when he forgives you, he wants fellowship with you again. That's crazy. After all that we do to him, after all the, the, the sin that's directly against his nature, he, he calls me friend. He still loves me. He still wants me to talk to him. He still wants a relationship with me. What a God we have. And that is the same exact type of love and type of forgiveness that we as Christians ought to show to other people. Do good to them. Guys, I will nourish you, man. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you the best fields there in Goshen. I'm going to, what do you need, guys? I'm here for you. I will nourish you. I'm going to nourish your kids. He comforted them and spake kindly unto them. I find that when you begin doing good to a person who has hurt you painfully, even that process of doing good and having that unconditional love helps you with forgiveness. It's kind of hard to be really hateful towards someone that you're praying God blessings for and that you're blessing them yourself. Finally, number four, Colossians chapter 3, verse 13 is my favorite verse on forgiveness. In Colossians 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. But I'll tell you what, what a blanket statement. If any man have a quarrel against Brother Dave, you do not understand what they did to me. You're right, I don't. And I am not attempting to minimize that, but I'm trying to tell you here, when we realize what Christ has done for us, when we get our eyes off of ourselves, off of our hurt, off of our scenario, and get our eyes onto what Jesus has done. Jesus did not deserve to be arrested. He did not deserve to have the lies told about him. He did not deserve to be whipped with that cat of nine tails. He did not deserve to have his beard ripped out. He did not deserve the torture he went through. And as he's hanging there, his hands nailed to the cross, what were his first words on the cross? Father, destroy these sinners. That's not the heart of Christ. His first words on the cross were, Father, forgive them. Do you, is that the heart that you have? Is that the unconditional love that you have towards someone that's hurt you? I, I forgive them. Dwell on the, my first, fourth point is to dwell on the cross. When you think on the cross, I'm reminded of what Jesus has done for you. That helps to 
helps you to have the right perspective about forgiveness. I close with this. My pastor went through some very difficult situations. In fact, uh, his assistant pastor uh, led a, a church split, split the church in, more than in half. I mean, boy, you know, his, his life's work or whatever, you know, and, and this person who's supposed to be loyal to me, is supposed to have my back, causes, causes all kinds of problems. And, and man, he said uh, one day 50, 50 people asked for letters of transfer. He said, I was physically so sick, I, I physically threw up. He's talking about bitterness. Man, he said, you know what I did? He said, when I prayed about forgiveness, it didn't vanish immediately. It didn't. He said, but every day I would pray, Lord, help me forgive. He said, I, every day I get out, Lord, help me forgive. Help me forgive. And you know what happened? It didn't go away immediately, but every day it got a little bit lighter. And it got a little bit lighter. And a little bit lighter, he said, before long, God had helped me. In fact, there was a, a couple of years later that that man had the audacity to, to come back to a Wednesday night service and sat down. And everyone's like, well, that's the guy. That's the guy that split it. What, what's he doing here? Man, we, we, should, we should get the ushers, get, get him out of here. What, what's he doing? At the end of the message, Pastor Pope, he's, 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 he said, hey, brother, it's great to see you. Would, you. would you come close our service in prayer? That wasn't some publicity stunt. What had happened? God had helped him to forgive. I tell you what, maybe, maybe that bitterness is still there, but maybe you should have prayed that same prayer. God, help me. Paul says, I didn't do it in my own. It wasn't my own strength. It wasn't my Christianity. It was in the person of Christ. It was through the power of Christ as I depended upon Jesus, as I asked God for help. God, help me forgive my mom. Help me forgive my ex. Help me forgive my dad. Whoever it is, when you depend upon God for help, he can give you that forgive. Lord, help me forgive my boss. Help me forgive that ministry. Help me forgive that preacher. God, help me forgive. God will give you the strength and the ability ability and the unconditional love to help you forgive. If this message doesn't make sense to you, perhaps it's because you've never received Christ as your Savior. Maybe you're here this morning, you would say, Brother Dave, this doesn't make sense, and maybe it's because you've never been forgiven. You see, the moment you get saved, Jesus forgives all of your sins. And that he forgives all of your sins, he makes you his child, his privileged child in his family. That's the love that God has for you. And if you've never experienced that forgiveness, Jesus wants to forgive you today. Jesus wants to wash all of your sins today. He wants to wash all of them away. He wants to give you a home in heaven. And maybe there's someone here today and you need to get saved. And then after you get saved, then God can help you to have that forgiveness towards the other people that have hurt you in your life. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life that God gives when we have the forgiving heart that Christ has. And if you are saved today, made with someone that needs to bring something to the nail-pierced feet of Christ, you say, Lord, I, I need your help with this situation. Let's stand to our feet this morning with our eyes closed as the musicians make their way for the invitation today. With your eyes closed, let's pray. Father, I thank you for the the message, Lord, I pray you bless this invitation, Lord. If you're speaking to someone's heart today, Lord, I pray they would not ignore you. Lord, I pray they get that right with you. And God, I pray they would choose the path of forgiveness and unconditional love like you have for us. We love you. Lord, someone today needs to be saved. Pray they get saved today. In Jesus' name, amen. With your eyes closed a moment, is there someone this morning that would say, Brother Dave, as you preach today about some hurt, God spoke to my heart. 
God spoke to my heart about some things I need to pray about. If that's you this morning with your eyes closed, would you raise your hand? But if God spoke to my heart this morning about some, some hurt in my life, thank you, you can take your hands down. The pen is going to begin to play. If God spoke in your heart and there's some things you need to pray about, I encourage you. Would you slip out of your seat? Would you come kneel before the Lord? Would you bring that to him? Say, Lord, I, I don't want to hold this person or hold them at arm's length the rest of my life. You see, you have a choice. You can hold on to that bitterness the rest of your life, and it will stay. It doesn't go away. You hold the rest of your life, or you can come and say, Lord, I'm deciding to forgive. I'm making a decision. I choose to forgive. Satan hates forgiveness. He wants that bitterness in your heart. Well, let's come to the Lord. Maybe there's someone today that says, there's someone that, there's a situation that, that I've been kind of demanding answers of God. And Lord, I, I just want to say today, I'm not going to demand that of you. I'm going to let you be God. I'm going to let you be God in my life. What a, what a great prayer. If God spoke in your heart, would you slip out of your seat? Would you come kneel and talk to God about it? Maybe there's someone here that you would say, Brother Dave, I don't know that I'm saved. If I were to die right now, I don't know that I'm forgiven. I don't know that I'm on my way to heaven. And I need to receive Christ as my Savior. If that's you this morning with your eyes closed, would you raise your hand? David, that's me. I don't know that I'm saved. And I want to take Jesus as my Savior. Oh, friend, don't leave here unforgiven. Don't leave here in your sin. If you need to be saved today, I encourage you, slip out of your seat. Come here to the front. We'll take you over to the side and show you how you can know that you're saved. So important. If you are saved today, God spoke in your heart, I encourage you. Talk to the Lord about forgiveness.